It's not preaching. We're talking about God's word, but we're having a conversation. Get them saved. So the question I have is, why is it so bad to be a Christian? Jesus says, okay, Peter, who do you say that I am? You are the Messiah, you know, the son of the living God. and welcome back to another episode of Life as a Weirdo. We're back in studio after a, a little brief hiatus. We took a little time off. Uh, I'm Cody, and I'm joined by my host, or co-host, Josh. Josh, say hello to everybody. What's up, everybody? That is the worst ever intro ever. You gotta be excited. Bro. What's up, everybody? Life as a Weirdo. What, what, what? Look, I don't know if it's like... Okay, let's start over. No, we're not. But I, I don't know. Clicking. I don't. I don't know if it's the the when you job get in front of the mic and the four kids. But that was me excited. I don't know. I actually thought I was really pumped up. You didn't. You didn't feel the no, energy. No, not at all. No, no, no. That was terrible. If I wasn't strapped down to this mic, I was almost borderline ready to jump around. Oh, physically. really? Yeah. Okay. That's like you and uh, uh, Lee. This is my happy face. I have no idea what you're talking about. Tommy Lee Jones. This chiller comes up to her and she's all perked up. She's like, let me see your happy face. And he goes, this is my happy face. <laughs> it's hilarious. You ain't never seen that? Was that when he played like in Batman? No, it's some, some, honestly, I don't know the movie. I just know that <laughs> scene because okay. it's hilarious. Thank you for that. Yeah. If you, audience, let's remind Josh, if you don't know what movie you're quoting from, please don't share it, okay? Because now we're all... Hey, I think it's like something house. We're really narrowing this one down. <laughs> we better just move on over to the topic for today. Josh, today we're going to be like activists because there's something we got to do. What's that? We have to defend the biblical definition of righteousness. The word righteousness is, in my opinion, under attack. It's, it's kind of always under attack. and uh, It's a big word, Josh, righteousness. Uh, it's one you'll find in your Bible several times. Uh, it's difficult to define. Yeah, because in the Bible, it's, there's, there's numerous ways that you can actually take it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it has a, a literal sense and then a way that it relates to uh, you know what? I should not have said it like that. It has a way that we should live it out in the world, live out righteousness, and then it also has a, a context for how we are before God, like a status that we hold. And, you know, these the words, the word righteousness will almost have a different meaning within a biblical context and then within a worldly context, yeah. you know. And so... A biblical definition of righteousness is the meeting of the divine standard necessary to re-enter the presence of God. You know, so basically, we um, basically we all have a problem. What's our fundamental problem, Josh? Well, we we're separated from God. Why? Because of sin. Well, there's a way to find yourself back in the presence of God, back in relationship with God, and it is by attaining righteousness and you know in a in a christian context not just a biblical context because the you know jews use the bible too but in christianity specifically it gets a little more dicey and cut up because righteousness is the standard in which to re-enter god's presence yes but 
Righteousness is also the standard which we are measured by, and we can't make it. Okay, And so it's also the standard that Jesus did meet. So Jesus became our righteousness because he exhibited righteousness. Uh, therefore, he could, pick, he could fix our problem of unrighteousness before God, and then he gifted it to us. Yeah. So we attained righteousness by gift. And so even in a Christian context, it's no longer about our works and what we do, but it's something that we receive as a gift. Right, and so, so, uh, whoa, so whoa, whoa, what's up? All right, before you keep going into your righteousness stuff, to tell the five listeners that we have why that you chose this. Okay, well, I was gonna, I was gonna get there. Oh, okay. Well, is, it, is it my next thing? But I actually, the five listeners, one of them actually told me this week he's actually found a better podcast, and so um, do, do we need to beat him up or something? No, probably not, man. I no. How uh, is this person? Well, I, it's hard to say. Uh, I don't see him that much. You heard of Daryl? Oh, what? Daryl left? Yeah, he yeah he stopped listening. So. Oh man, he's fired. Yeah, I know. I'll have a talk with him. So, in a Christian context, righteousness becomes by uh, righteousness, which is the standard which is also a gift. And basically what righteousness means is once it's obtained, we now are considered worthy, which is a big word, you know, to come back into God's presence. And it's not by anything we do, okay? It's all by what Christ did. But see, a worldly definition of righteousness, I literally took this from Google, a worldly definition of righteous is morally right, or justifiable okay the world currently is not seeking so much to redefine the word but they do seem to constantly remain editing the method by which righteousness is obtained now obviously i would understand josh that the world is going to be a little bit in conflict with the bible right i mean uh they don't know it for one you see what i'm saying but I just remember, I remember when I, you met me and Josh both worked in furniture factories before. Right. And uh, Josh, you know, I remember being in furniture and there was these people called inspectors and they, te- they checked it out, made sure it was good. But the biggest problem you would run into, Josh, when you had an inspector is um, there was a pretty widely accepted understanding of what state the furniture should be in to be considered right you know yeah but the problem is you would have these little just you know they don't matter too much but they varied these very small ideas about certain things Mm -hmm. and so you would get jillian who she understood kind of how the entire piece of furniture had to look but she just really didn't like it if you didn't make that arm look a certain way Mm -hmm. but then you had carol who she actually liked it a little bit different and so you find yourself constantly having to figure out the difference in the idea of how this piece of furniture is made perfect and if you don't you could find yourself in a big problem because they hold the authority to say whether or not you your your work actually gets to pass and be sold, you know. So, um, every time the inspector changed, 
you know, a small piece of how this furniture was considered perfect changed too. Does that make sense? I, I want to make sure I'm being clear That's to our listeners. One more time. Every time we got a new inspector, they had a little bit different idea of how this furniture should look. Yeah. Now, see, every time we encounter the world's definition of righteousness, they've got a little bit different idea of how we become righteous in a worldly context. Does that make sense? Yeah. They're like the inspectors. Mm-hmm. So, and, and it's it seems like they understand that the word righteous means morally right, and they're willing to give you a thumbs up that you're being morally right. But but the way you become morally right is constantly changing. And sometimes in history, it changes to the point, Josh, that it is in conflict with the Bible. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's in conflict with the Bible, and it spreads a message. And this is what I'm seeing right now, is a message being spread to especially vulnerable young Christians, especially in a time, Josh, where we're not able to go to church mm-hmm. as often, as much, and we're not able to study the Bible as in-depth together as we have been in the past. And so it worries me whenever I see young Christians who are being told by the world, this is how you exhibit righteousness. Yeah. And it's in no way you know, the way that God would view righteousness. Exactly. Well, the one, one thing is, is ever, for one, they're getting away from God. Yeah. Two, they're getting away from the word yeah. that he gave us. Right. Uh, because they don't, a lot of people don't consider this as an importance anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. This is our map. You can use this as one of two ways. This is your map to God, to heaven, or this is your map to hell. Which means you either can use it or mm. you can throw it away. Right. So, um, so, and that's one thing is we, we're being told this and that instead of learning it for ourselves. Right. And that's what we need to do. We need to learn for ourselves. Even if, like, you come to me and be like, hey, man, uh, check this out. And you just say something that you say something, I don't know, about the Bible. I was like, cool, okay. And not saying that I don't agree with you, but maybe I wasn't sure. Yeah. And nine times out of ten, I'm going to be like, okay, cool, yeah, I like that. Uh, Coming from you. Yeah. But usually, if it's from somebody that I don't trust very often, I'm going to go seek it for myself. Yeah, yeah. If it's just a random person that comes up, like, hey, check this out. I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to make sure that's the truth. You yeah. know how? I'm going to go look for for myself. In the Word. Yeah. There's only a couple of people where I just, I take it, <laughs> I just probably shouldn't, and that's probably you and Uncle Mike. If it's me, you definitely shouldn't. That's for yeah. sure. You well, should definitely check for yourself. Well, I don't. Well, so. I, pre- I appreciate that. that yeah. you, you're willing to put that, you know, trust in me like that, but... Um, I like to be fact checked too, you know. Facebook fact checks. I like to be fact checked. So yeah, Facebook. Yeah, <laughs> let's let's move along. <laughs> I, actually, I need your forgiveness. Uh, oh. I I forgot my Bible. You know, I'm the guy who's always got the hard copy. Yeah, yeah. he's always totally left it at home. So I'm I'm going Making digital. I'm going digital today. But Josh, I think I think honestly, we we wouldn't even probably like to admit that. We're looking to the world. Uh, a lot of young people are looking to the world to, to say, how can we 
seem justified mm-hmm. in in your eyes mm-hmm. and we don't care how to become justified in God's eyes but I I don't think that we're actually understanding quite what we're doing you said well a lot of people are not understanding quite what they're doing you yeah. know what I'm saying they're just kind of following the fad but this let me just go and be clear this is what you're doing okay you're looking to the world and you're saying show me what I need to do yeah. in order to display righteousness instead of looking to God and say show me what I need to do and those are two very different things in the world you actually need to do something yeah, you know that, that right there is uh one of my uh favorite things to like like i tell my youths all the time uh well when we had a class <laughs> yeah but anyway i, 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 know, I, I know them, what you mean uh i actually got it right here matthew six thirty three, which you can look at any uh version you want but uh Mine is, my favorite is English, English Standard Version. But anyways, it says, Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Now, this is the thing about it. Here's what people hear. He will give you everything you need. Mm-hmm. That's what people hear. They forget the first part. Right. Okay. But if you seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, what you're doing is you're seeking him, okay? And it says, I will give you everything you need. Everything we need is him. Right, exactly. And, and, and we're forgetting that, mm-hmm. okay? We, we want to do half of it. And be like, oh, he's going to give me everything I need. He's going to give me all my heart desires. Yeah. Yeah, but if you seek him, your mm-hmm. heart desires him. And he's like, hey, I'm going to meet you halfway. Right. And then... Uh, you can go through other scriptures where he does ask, receive, ask, and it shall be given to you, okay? Mm-hmm. But sometimes we get a little crazy with that, okay? Yeah. We go like, oh, you know, ask for a million dollars, he's going to give me a million dollars. Yeah. Not saying that he won't. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't base your life on it, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. But uh, that's what we need to do. We seek him, and he's going to, what? He's going to give himself to us, so... You were reading that. It says, "It says live righteously." Is that what it says? Live right. There's a, there's a few of them. It says uh, that one says live righteously. Uh, one says, uh, "But seek first His kingdom and His righteousness." So I mean, okay. it's all different. I got it. Points back to this idea of righteousness. Yeah, of course. Um, and Josh, here's the thing that's that's probably most behind you reading that verse is is awesome. Because it's probably most behind, you know, where I'm coming from with with wanting to bring this up and talk about this. Um, We believe that the Bible is the inspired word of God. You know, we believe that 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all scripture is breathed out by God. So these are God's words, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And so here's the thing. If you read Matthew 6.33 and it says, uh, you know, seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness or live righteously you know which is just another way to say that josh if he's telling me to live righteously then i need to see what he means by Mm -hmm. live righteously Mm -hmm. you see what i'm saying and all too often we're looking at other ports uh we're looking for our exception acceptance we're looking for our thumbs up uh and oftentimes the world wants you to do that in a way that is just not only you know 
not about the Lord or not having anything to do with the Lord. It's actually completely against some of the Lord's values. Yeah, today it's for sure that way. Absolutely. Uh, it's, it, it's pointing everything away from God. Yeah. And um, it's actually, like I told you this morning, I was listening to Ravi Zacharias, uh, and he was talking about uh, Matthew 22, uh, I think 22:15, where it's talking about give Caesars what is Caesars mm. and give God what is God's. Right. And um, most people are like, oh, okay, I'll give my taxes to him. But I, actually, I want to read that real quick. Yeah, go, and, go uh, read that for us. This is this is what what it is. Is 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 the Pharisees, religious leaders, are trying to trap Jesus, and obviously. Uh, Jesus says, he says, I'm aware of their, their, their malice. He, he knows. Uh, yeah. Because he's like, I get, I'm, getting, I'm getting what you're doing. Uh-huh. He goes, show me the coin for the tax. So they give him the coin. And this is what he says. Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, it's Caesar's. Caesar's. He goes, then give to them. He says, then therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God. Okay, yeah, so, so it's, if it's talking about money, but it it even transcends. Yeah, because I want you to th- I want you to think about this real quick, okay? Because I I kept reading this because I was listening to Ravi Zacharias, and I was like I was like there's something more in this I believe. Right. Because he throws him a coin. He goes, "Whose is this?" He says, "Caesar's." Why? Because it's his. He's on this coin. It's his. Uh, uh, what did it say? Inscription. Yeah. Okay. So the question is, who, if we're supposed to be like Christ, yeah, look like Christ, then we need to look in our lives and say, uh, uh, who likeness are we? Who is inscripted in our life? Because if it's if you if you say you're scripted by Christ and, and your li- and your likeness is like Christ, then guess what? You need to give yourself the cross because he says, give him to what is give God to what is God's. Yeah. And and uh, and I'm a believer. In, you know, we need to stop worrying about all these things that the world's saying. Give and give and do. It's all yeah. about what God says. Give and do. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, Josh, I, one time I, I took a class, um, that it was Hannah's class for, for college. I literally, I guess I just had anything better to do at the time. I don't know, but I I literally took this college class completely for her. Um, hopefully they won't revoke her degree (laughs) for that, but I went through this class. Yeah, absolutely. Who is? Uh, but anyways, uh, I took this class for it. It was called British Literature uh, Two. It was. It was. Uh, I don't know. What, uh, the sequel to British Literature One. I guess. I don't why, know. Why, what was this for? Uh, an elementary education degree. And they had to learn British literature. Yeah. Who, who knows? Okay. Who knows? I don't Moving know. Moving on. Anyways, the class involved some characters that wrote. They were famous poets. Yeah. And uh, they were, you know, they were artists. They were considered artists. And a lot of times in any culture, philosophy and the arts tend to run together. And so while they were artists, they also had a, uh, a deep um, 
I don't know, a longing for philosophy, and then philosophy translates to culture, and then and then it's supposed to permeate through culture and become policy and become reality. And a lot of the things that they were pushing for, it's concepts that we seem like we're trying to strive for again. Mm-hmm. And one thing that I think some of these younger Christians need to hear and understand is uh, um, is exactly brought up in this point. These guys were, were poets, and I, what I want to believe was uh, somewhere around the 16th or 17th century. So we're talking about poets in the 1500s, 1600s uh, in, you know, Great Britain and, and the U.K. And uh, they had this concept of utopia. That's what they called it. And I'm sure you, I'm sure everybody's heard that word before. Yeah. But the idea of utopia. Oh, utopia. Okay. The movie. The idea of a utopia or a utopian society is one that's absolutely perfect. Perfect. It's basically the kingdom of God here on earth that is attainable. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that they, they say is attainable. That's what they think, is that it's attainable. These are not new ideas. These you know, are not crazy. new concepts. What's up? When you say that, I wonder if they're going back to when it was, back in Adam and Eve, where it was that here on earth. There were actually, a, that, some of them were theists and some were not. Because yeah, I'm just saying it's like they're trying to get back to that. Yes. But yeah. You, yeah. You're right. But you're you right. can't unless. Yeah. All right, anyway, keep going. Well, it seems like that's where we are. What that's where we're trying to get to. Honestly, constantly, they're telling you this is what we have to do to make a perfect society. Yeah. This is what we have to do to make a perfect society. This will fix our problem, Josh. We have had a long laundry list of problems forever, you know, and oh, man, that, I just that aggravates me too, man. I just I just need to go ahead and say right now, if you're here and you're listening, this world will never be perfect Mm-mm. until you see Jesus. Like he said in Matthew 24, he said, just like you see the lightning burst across the sky, so will you see me when I come back to get you, my people. Until you see Jesus, this society will never be perfect. Why? Because we're imperfect creatures trying to create a perfect society. Tim Keller said in one of his sermons that the Christian holds a very distinct position in that we understand that we will never have a perfect society, but at the same time, in the midst of our imperfect society, we do everything we can Mm -hmm. to try to make it better. Okay. That being said... We don't go against God's policies, Josh. Like you think about Exodus chapter uh, number one, I think, whenever you know the, the people of Israel have lived in um, Egypt for so long and they're starting to grow and Pharaoh gets scared and he's like, there's too many of them. We've got to start killing babies. And so he's like, we need to do infanticide. That's what, that's what we need to do. And so the, the midwives who were delivering the, the Israelite babies, they lie and they tell him that, the reason we're not killing babies is because the uh, the Israelite women go and have babies in private. Well, that's not true. They straight up lied about that. They just didn't want to kill babies. Why? Because it went against God. And so sometimes things that we encounter in this world go against God completely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what I say, it, and I will always say this, if I, if, if I marry anybody... Mm. I will always say this because the problem with this world is they keep saying, hey, this is what we need to do. 
and then they're like, oh, and we needed this. No, 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 this is what actually, they, they keep on. It's keep, always a change. Yeah, it's, it's like change, like they keep on doing, say, hey, this is actually better. This is actually better. Yeah. This is actually, they just keep on and on. But here's the thing, here's the thing. If they knew what was best, then why do they keep making it better? Right. Okay, the Bible knows. The Bible has never changed and it never will. Right. That's why we need to, like, that's why I always tell my marriage, like, look, everybody's going to tell you to do this and to do that. There's going to there's gonna be new magazines to tell you this. There's going to be new people to tell you this. And it's going to be over and over and over, hey, we need to change this, change this. I said, but the Bible has never changed. And that's how you have a good, great marriage. It's when you when you read the Bible and you put Christ first in your marriage, and that's how it happens. And that's the same thing with the world. And that's what we need to do. Stop listening to the world mm. and start. Re- and it's always back to the Bible. Yeah. I want to get absolutely super specific, and I'm going to do that. Okay. okay. With a couple of disclaimers. So when I talk about this, there. Okay. Josh has said before in the past that we will never talk about politics. Yeah. Here in this podcast, I'm about to break the cycle just for a cut second. It off. Cut, I have cut it to, Daryl. Please, Unplug I have it. to. Oh my god! I have to do this one time. It? I'm sorry. If you lose listeners because of your tail. What, what lose what? Li- okay, what listeners? Daryl, we already lost him. So exactly. Now he's just talking to it wasn't because of politics, though. He's already gone. Okay. All right, let's see what happens. Um, here's the thing. I love politics. Josh hates politics. I, hate I love it. politics. Mm-hmm. So I love Christianity and I love politics. And there's something that's going on in politics because right now I think culture is honestly looking towards, number one, it's looking for people to do certain things in order to seem righteous and virtuous. Um, And it's also looking to politics, because it's an election year in our country, it's looking to politics to... um, It'll be over November 5th, 4th. It's looking to politics to bring policy that is going to bring an, a mean to an end and, again, solve all our world's problems. You know, which, like, it's done, you know, every time. No, yeah. we've, never, we've never solved all the world's problems. We're never going to. But there's something that's happening right now that I really don't like, and it's happening a lot in politics. And I can show you, it's happening in society, but I can show you better if I show you through politics. Okay, you're having some of the leadership which has a certain kind of a, a bias towards the the um, towards a certain political party and ideology. And what they're doing is they're, they've created this thing called identity politics. okay And so what's happened is they're they're creating divides, okay? And so what's happening in these divides is they're saying things like, if you're black, African-American, if you're black, your enemy is the police. Okay? Mm-hmm. If you don't support the black people, I'm sorry, if you support the black people, then you have to hate the police. Because the police and black people are complete enemies, according to them. Uh, but if you support the police, then you're obviously a racist. Okay? And so... They're creating these identity politics in which we are having to, we're finding ourselves almost forced to do an either or. 
Mm-hmm. You know, and then they're doing something else in society because we, we see racial tensions every four years yeah. because, you know, for some reason, one certain party that I will leave unnamed thinks that if they can drum up racial tensions, then they can be the solution to the racial tensions. And it also helps if they make the other side look like racist, which is just stupid fun. Um, but they do another thing where they tell the Christian if you don't support this group that is clearly targeted and isolated and hated, you know, then you're a terrible person. And so they isolate the Christian, you know, into its own group. And they tell it, this is what you have to do. They always do that, though. But here's the thing. Why? Because, you can tell you why? No. Oh. Not why does this happen. Why the mess do I have to pick? Yeah, we don't. Cause why can't I is, love the African American? The, the thing about it is, and is, love the law enforcement officer. You can. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you but can. see, they they got this identity politic that's set to divide, and and they tell you this is how you become righteous. Okay, you, um, I do not. It's not right for me to use this phrase, but you bend the knee, you know, to certain organizations. It don't matter if they go against God, if they hate family. Uh, or, or if they have, they fight for certain groups that that completely oppose God's views. It don't matter. You as the Christian have to demonstrate your love and attain your righteousness from the world by doing this, you know. And so, therefore, you can't do this, and you can't do this, and you can't do that, and you have to do this. And I'm just here to tell you, I am pretty sure my Bible said that whoever the Son sets free. Is free indeed. I'm pretty sure my Bible said that Jesus came so that I could have the abundant life, not that I could be put into a box. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty yeah, sure the Bible, the Bible wants me to love everybody, everybody, every single person. And Jesus did that numerous times in the Bible. He did it to the Samaritan woman, right, which everybody hated. Mm-hmm. He did to women, which everybody they didn't have any credibility at all back right. then. And he let them be first. Yeah, Who to would, find the tomb. And that's one reason that we know that the Bible is correct. Because mm-hmm. you know why? Because guess who is the first recorded in the Bible to find Jesus? The women, women who didn't even have credible, their testimony wasn't even accepted in court. Was, uh, zero. So if the Bible was made up, they would have never put that yeah, in Yeah, you make up a story, you're not using you're not that. Using that. Okay. Dudes two, are finding Jesus. People are telling us, like you're saying, to do either A or B. When the answer is probably C. Yeah, I've said that before, but I'm telling you this. They're telling me I can only love A or B, and that's that's baloney. I can love A and B. Yeah. You know, and, and to be honest, to, to get technical on you a little bit, I mean, honestly, I think that some of the policies that are being pushed against the police are actually going to end up hurting black people, along with everybody else. Everybody wants a safe, secure community to live in, mm-hmm. you know? You don't have to pick A or B. But for some reason, our world thinks that they can put everybody into a box and back them into a corner, and the Christian folds. I was so encouraged the other day to see a passage that came out, and I'm again, I'm getting, I'm getting ridiculously specific, and I'm, some people may hate me for saying this, but Randy Alcorn is an author, and he wrote a book. And this book is called Heaven. Uh, I'm sorry, it's just called Heaven. And it's about heaven, and it's awesome. And Randy Alcorn put out an article, and this is what he said. Black lives do matter. 
But the organization Black Lives Matter is against God and the Bible. And the reason he said that is because a, a couple of things. The organization Black Lives Matter is against the family. They want to dismantle the family. They seem to have cause to dismantle the church as it is, even though they have nothing to do with the church. Uh, they, they do not well, fight for... Hang on, time out. What Go do you ahead. mean to have to dismantle the church? Well, they, they again, they put Jesus into a box. They say that we've made Jesus into some sort of a white Jesus, so therefore we need to tear down every picture and statue and church building that seems to promote, to promote white Jesus. That was Sean King of BLM. He put that out. And one thing that they don't do, which is frustrating to me, is they don't fight for abortion, which disproportionately affects black Americans. Like, for instance, um, the lady who founded Planned Parenthood, she literally is quoted as saying, her name is Margaret Singer, and you can look this up, she's quoted as saying, the black baby is like a weed and must be exterminated at all costs. And what she She did was, she said that, and what she said was, uh, what she did was she put Planned Parenthoods in communities that had more black people. And so Dr. Martin Luther King, yes, Dr. Martin Luther King has a niece. Her name is Alveda King. She's a doctor, and she fights passionately for abortion that seems to disproportionately affect black people in our country. But see, Black Lives Matter, the organization, doesn't want to fight for that. You see? So they pick and choose, and then they try to make you pick and choose, and they tell you this is how you become righteous, and God says, no, this is how you become righteous. Let's clarify this real quick before we end it. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, Jesus is not white, okay? Yeah. yeah. He is not white at all, okay? Right. He is a Jew. He's from the Middle East. Mm-hmm. He does. He is not a white. Uh, so for people that do think Jesus is white, that is incorrect. He is not Absolutely. White. But anytime you've got, you know, with that backdrop, anytime you've got say, people saying, we need to tear down churches, you know? Yeah, it wouldn't have any tear down a church. That's that's a harmful kind yeah. of thing to say, regardless of whether... Everybody knows Jesus ain't white. That, that's I mean, that's pretty much the argument going around. Everybody knows Jesus was not a white man. And if you want to be specific, Jesus was not a man. He was a God-man, you know? One, one of the only... Or, I'm sorry, the only, the only one. Yeah. Let me say that. Let me say that a little clearer. But, look, I got a couple of verses I want to end on because this has been a really long podcast. We're, I mean, we're, yo, because you ran about politics. I know. We're, we're, we're running towards 35 minutes. So I'm going to go ahead and kind of close this out a little bit. Um, a couple of scriptures I got from Romans chapter 3. It says, What then? Are we, are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already uh, charged and found true that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. That's anybody and everybody, regardless. We all have unity in the understanding that we're all sinners. But then it goes on to say this. Um, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe, for there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through redemption in Christ Jesus. All of us find redemption and righteousness the same way only through Christ Jesus regardless of where we are uh, regardless of how many boxes we they try to put us in we all find it the same way another verse a favorite of mine 2 Corinthians 5:21 for our sake he made him who knew no sin 
uh, to be sin so that we might become, again, the righteousness of God. And that's that we is not like got an asterisk beside it that says only some people or only certain people. No, that's we. That's anybody who puts their faith and trust in Christ. And then finally, here's one thing I do want to say for people who are like, well, you don't understand. My friends are like telling me I, I really need to do certain things. And I know it don't seem right, but I really just need to do this. That will check this out right here. This is what Peter wrote to some suffering Christians who really actually were dying for their faith, okay? He said, but even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, for a reason for the stance you take, but do it with gentleness and respect, which we lose a lot. Mm-hmm having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And I love that because, you know, it's kind of underscored with the fact that after this life, we're going to see God face to face. You know, and we're going to be judged Based on how we handle situations. Now, for the one who is in Christ, we believe that righteousness has been given to us by him. But that doesn't discount the fact that God is still going to judge us based on how well we were ambassadors of his name. And I would, um, I just want to say, I want as many rewards as I can get. And I'm not all that worried about the cost here. Can I get an amen over there? Amen, yeah. All right. Well, let's pray together. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, God, thank you again for another episode. God, I pray we were clear here. God, I pray that we exhibited great clarity. God, I thank you for, God, I, I just thank you for this life that you've given, Lord. And I thank you for, I thank you for the great diversity we have around us, Father. I thank you for each and every person of every different God's size and, and, um, Lord, color and whatever other kind of um, descriptor we could use to describe just how diverse and magnificent your creation is, Lord. And Father, I just want to, uh, I just pray that you would, Father, help these Christians to stand strong in their faith and God to stand up for what they believe, Father, and just be discerning of every movement that comes along in this world, Father, and put their hope and trust in you first above the world. And Father, I pray there's anybody listening who has never put their faith and trust in you, God, that they would do that now and experience salvation through Jesus Christ, our Lord, which is available to anybody, either Jew or Greek, Jew or Gentile, doesn't matter. And I thank you for that, Father, as uh, Lord, an unworthy, sinful Gentile myself, I thank you for your grace. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.